today, I want to talk to you about one of my favorite subjects centered in my absolute first love, Jesus, and that's prayer. Prayer. Jesus himself was a prayer fanatic. He prayed all the time. He, he would pray sometimes late at night into the wee hours. Sometimes all night he would pray. Several times in the Bible you have him praying all night. And then he would get up early before the sun came up. And he'd spend all this time in prayer. And the disciples didn't even really know when he got up to pray because they were sleeping. And then, where is he? You know, oh, they didn't have watches back then, but when's he going to get here? You know, have you ever seen that uh, series called The Chosen? And they're explaining some of these things and. Um, and he's always slipping out and going and praying, and they're, they're really kind of bothered by it. We're going to talk about what they ask of Jesus in regards to prayer, and you will be so hopefully thankful by the end to see how much Jesus wants you and commends you and will answer you if we'll just pray, if we'll just pray more. He wants us to, and he wants to do stuff, amazing stuff that will give your life meaning and excitement. And, oh, well, let's turn in our Bibles to Luke chapter 11, and we'll read one of the passages that we're going to look at. But this message is called Learning to Pray from the Greatest Man of Prayer. Jesus. So Luke 11, let's just read the first four verses there to give it a start. Now it came to pass, as Jesus was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And so Jesus said to them, when you pray, say, let's say it together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And then let's put the other part on. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Dear God, I just thank you for this congregation. Lord, they are a light in a dark place. Lord, your light shines bright here. We pray, dear God, that you would just fan the flames of that light, that it would be brighter this year, this school year, than it's ever been. Lord, that it would shine out from the parents and the children and the grandparents 
and, and from the singles, the marrieds, whole families, and this whole family, Lord, continue to add to it and empower them more than they've seen because you want us to be strong in prayer and be strong in the Lord. So God, we ask for that. And we pray that you'll bless our time together now. In Jesus' name, amen. So Jesus, I believe, was the greatest man of prayer who ever lived. And yet it's interesting because he was fully God. But then he was immaculately conceived through the overwhelming presence of God over the virgin. And that which was conceived in her would become the son of God and God the son. God the word who was always with God. But different than God in the sense of two persons. In the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. He was always God. Always God. But now he's fully man as well. And that dual nature, it blows our minds. But he felt like he needed to pray all the time. And if that's the case with Jesus, we might be missing something, folks. How much we need to stay in touch. Like all the time? That's one of the beauties of prayer. It's the highlight of your day. But you can do it anytime. And all the time. In fact, I feel like we should never say amen like goodbye, see you on Tuesday, Lord. Or, you know, Sunday we'll come and visit. No. That's not what Christianity is. Christianity is a constant communion. Constant communion. And I just wanted to encourage you with that because he wants to hear us and he wants to talk with us all the time because he loves us so much. Now, the disciples saw Jesus praying so much that they came to him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. Like John the Baptist taught his disciples. You know, Lord, a bunch of us used to follow John and he taught us how to pray. Could you do the same? Interesting thing. Jesus said, well, when you pray, say. <laughs> I, mean, he didn't, I mean, he did teach about prayer like in the Sermon on the Mount and there was some teaching on prayer in other places as well. But this, his main expression to them about prayer was just, we'll say this. And we just said it. And it's an awesome prayer. But I believe that it's a prayer. And there's 13 phrases in the prayer. And they're just jam-packed with richness and meaning and the right requests. And the right focus to have, right off the bat, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
So immediately you're, you're brought into this sense that the most important thing is who you're talking to. You're talking to the one who made you. You're talking to your heavenly father. The one that you're through Christ a child of. You've been reborn. You're his son, his daughter. And you have this relationship with him. So teach us to pray. And I think we need to not necessarily pray the whole thing all the time, but we need to intersperse phrases of that prayer that fit the situation because there's no time in your day or situation in your life that something in this prayer won't help. Because the ultimate prayer is, Lord, thy kingdom come. Let it rule in me today. Thy will. What a great, what a great thing to pray for. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So he's, he's telling them about prayer and they're, they're getting it. They're receiving it. Now, this prayer has been called the Lord's Prayer. But in the prayer, it says, um, forgive us our sins. So it can't really be the Lord's Prayer. Except he did have quite a bit of sin from you. And from me, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. God laid on him, the Bible says, the iniquities of us all. That was our contribution to Jesus. Those trespasses. And that he took to prayer. We'll, we'll talk about it at the end. He took that to prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Lord, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will. Yours be done. In other words, I'll take all their sin and I'll take their judgment because I love them. Now, another time where Jesus gave the whole Lord's Prayer was in the Sermon on the Mount. They say this is the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. The Sermon on the Mount where people were coming to Jesus and, and there were a lot of them coming. And so he went up on the mountain and his disciples came to him, but the other people kept coming. And they just plastered that place. I mean, if you've ever been to the actual mountain that they say in Israel where he could have given the Sermon on the Mount. It is so awesome because the, the view he had, Galilee and you know, all these people, Sea of Galilee, and, and they're all sitting. And I mean, thousands and thousands were gathering to hear. And right in the middle of what they call the greatest sermon that's ever been given, right in the middle, he begins to teach them about prayer. In chapter 6 of Matthew, he teaches them. And then he says, and here's the prayer I want you to pray. And he gives them, again, the Lord's Prayer. And included is, um, 
For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. So he, he, he teaches that as the centerpiece. Prayer. You know, in all the teaching that you receive, like this great conference and everything that you're going to have, don't forget one of the greatest things you can ever learn from Jesus is simply to pray. And to pray as he would want us to pray. So right in the middle of the Sermon on the Mount, he gives this prayer. And I think he wants us to say it a lot. Now, not necessarily as repetition of the whole thing, but just putting it into our prayers that we pray and then sharing them. Now, another interesting thing about the Sermon on the Mount is that when Jesus came down from this amazing sermon, you'd think he'd go down to the VIPs. He'd say, hey, how'd you like that? What'd you think? What'd you get out of it? You know, like the pastor does. He goes down here. So did you learn anything? <laughs> you know. <laughs> but Jesus didn't do that. He goes down. You know, the first guy to come to him is desperate. And he comes knowing he's a leper. He's a leper. He has an incurable disease back then. He has an infectious disease. He has a disease that's horrific. And the appendages of your body are, are eaten away. Back then it was deadly. And you became an outcast. A reject. You're not allowed to come into the temple. You couldn't even get closer than 150 feet to a leper. Now, the families could bring them food, but they had to put it on the outskirts of the leper colony and then go far away and watch them from a distance getting their food and the things that were brought to them. How sad. And here's this man. He comes and he knelt. Now he's already too close to Jesus. Like I said, 150 feet. And he's already too close. And people could smell him. Because they say you could smell a leper from 100 feet away. That's what it says in a, a writings back in the first century. It was disgusting. People just wanted nothing to do. Of course, family did, but... They couldn't. He kneels down and worships, it says. And this is in Matthew 8. You know, the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew 5, 6, and 7. The whole thing. And then the first person comes up is this leper. And he kneels down and he worships Jesus. He doesn't yell out, unclean, unclean. Why? He needs Jesus bad. Jesus is the only one who can help him. Why is he violating the law? Because Jesus is the only one who can help him. 
You know, there's certain things we need to understand only Jesus can take care of. There's certain things in your life. I mean, you'd want to have certain people to, you know, really meet needs and stuff like that. But Jesus, as we pray in his name to our heavenly father, and as the Holy Spirit works, God can provide however he wants to do it, whether sovereignly or through a person or, you know, just as life is lived out, you get shocked at how the Lord is providing. You're just totally amazed. The word leprosy actually means smitten. And back then, they thought the people were being judged by God for something. They were smitten of God was their belief. And they were banned and put in leper colonies. But here comes this man. He's desperate. You know, we don't have a lot of desperation. But we should. I'm 72 now. I'm not that young man. I'm a geezer. And I'm a healthy geezer, and I'm thankful for it. But it doesn't make certain things easier. You know, it's weird how our culture, you know, acts towards people, how we value people in this way or that. Are we looking at them through Christ's eyes? We need to be careful in our valuations that we don't disregard. I mean, how many great speakers would have gone first to the leper? But Jesus, he doesn't even really care about the VIPs that much right then. He's focusing on this guy because he needs him so bad. I want to give you an example. It's kind of weird, but how many of you have ever heard of Vladimir Putin? <laughs> Raise your hand. You've heard of Vlad. Okay, you know who he is, right? Who is he? Russian president or Russian dictator, would you say? I don't know what they call him. Why don't they just call him despot? Dictator. Whatever. Anyway, he's the Russian leader. How many of you really like that guy? You just think, I'd really like to meet him. Find out what he's like. We'd probably like to go in there with a gun and blast the guy. Or at least pray that one of his cronies would. You know, there is a thing called imprecatory prayers. Kathy, my wife, is praying for him in that way. Kind of like David prayed, Lord, let their children be dashed against the rocks. I've never prayed that prayer. But there were enemies that wanted to destroy Israel.
That's how we feel about that guy generally. But let me ask you this. Any of you here ever heard of a guy named Nikita Khrushchev? Anyone ever heard of him? Back in the 60s, he was, he was Vladimir Putin. He said he got up in front of the cameras. TV was sort of a new thing, and, and he was, you know, preaching a message, basically, saying, we will bury the United States. And right, one of the words was, the, the main emphasis, he said, we will bury you. I was there, I watched it. I was freaked out. Everyone was like, you got to hear this guy. He's got a, a, a message for the United States. The guy was so ugly. I couldn't even handle it. And it looked like he would bury us. Now, he didn't. I don't know. He couldn't. I don't know how or wh- however it worked out. John Kennedy was part of but you know. Thank God for President Kennedy at that time. But you know something? Somehow he got out of power. He, he quit or he was booted. I don't know what happened. But you know what happened to him? He became a Christian. He met Jesus Christ. Someone shared Jesus Christ with him. He gave his life to Jesus. And then he began to read the Bible, and then he began to memorize the New Testament. And he memorized all four of the Gospels word for word. And he memorized much of the New Testament. His dad, or his son talks about this. And in his older age, he would go to Gorky Park and he would sit there on the bench and he would quote scripture to people as they walked by. And he would tell them the gospel of Jesus. Isn't that crazy? Because God saved Khrushchev. And he was defamed by most of his culture because of it. Amazing. The Lord's love is, is incredible. But here you see in this leper the gall of faith. The gall, what I would call the gall. Boy, you have gall. And that guy had gall. He didn't do any of what the law said you're supposed to do. He needed Jesus so bad. But he said, Lord, if you are willing... You can make me clean. He had an issue. He didn't think Jesus would be willing. He didn't pray very much, I don't think. Now, he did worship first. And when you worship in prayer, and I think, I think as we're going along in our day, just no matter what you're doing, just worship quietly or silently. And it'll build you up. It'll lift you up. And you'll know how to handle the next moment. Or handle the difficulties and the pressures of that day. Because you sense that closeness with God. The gall of faith. This guy had it. 
But he had a problem. I don't think he's willing. Because why would he bless me? Why would he help me? And look at what an outcast I am. Lord, if you're willing, you could make me clean. Now, it's interesting that word, you can make me clean. And this is borne out also in Mark chapter 1, verse 41. That word is, you can make me clean, is dunamai. We get the word dynamite or dynamic. You can. You, you have the power. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. That word is dynamic power. This is what happens when you pray. And when you worship. You are empowered. That's why when Paul was giving his advice regarding spiritual warfare, First thing he said was, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. All the weapons. Put on all the armor that you may stand. And having done all to stand. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Did you know that? You may think a lot of your problems are your in-laws. You may think a lot of your problems are those guys at work or that boss or that jerk down the street or that teacher of my kids who's woke. You know, there's, there's, there's a lot of things not to like about a lot of people. But it can then carry over into, I don't think God likes them either. And you could be right. <laughs> but in another sense, he may, may want to save them. Look at Paul. He wrote Ephesians chapter 6. But you take it back 20-some years earlier, he was on his way to Damascus to kill Christians and to get him arrested and hope that he could get the death penalty. And the Lord intervened with a bright light and flashed on him, knocked him off his chariot and said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And then Saul said his first legit prayer. Who are you, Lord? See, he thought he'd been worshiping God by killing Christians. He was like, like terrorists today that kill Christians. Look at that. I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Then he said, go. And he tried to convince one of his Christian followers, Ananias, pray for this guy. He needs prayer. What's his name? Saul. Saul of, not Saul of Tarsus. Yeah. Lord, you got the wrong guy. I, that guy's going to kill us. No, he, he'll find out what he's going to do and the persecution he'll have to go through. But I need you to pray for him because I gave him cataracts on his eyes and you know, he's got, we got to heal that. And I want to fill him with the Holy Spirit. So would you just pray for him? 
You know, and Ananias did. And Saul was completely changed. Saul, this glorious, named after probably the first king of Israel. But then he started calling himself Paul because it means little. Now he's saying, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, against the rulers, against the powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. In other words, there's a battle zone that we need to understand is why we need to pray a lot. It's because a lot of the people that we really care about, that we want to come out of darkness into light, they're blinded. They can't see the light of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Who can pull the shades? Only the Holy Spirit. Only God can remove that darkness. You know, when, when the Amalekites surprised attacked Israel, Moses, he went up on the hill and he said, okay, Josh, you really get those soldiers going. Go against those Amalekites. I'm going to be up on the hill looking over, praying for you. So he's lifting up hands. He's praying. And they're winning. But then his arms start drooping. You know, they get heavy after a while. And so Aaron and her, they notice this. And they run over there. And each, you know, because the army's losing. They're losing. Because his arms are drooping. Aaron takes one arm. He takes his two arms and lifts that one arm and gets, him up, gets it up there. Her takes the other one. Now they got six arms going in prayer. And they're calling upon the Lord. And they wiped them out. That's what we need. We need a little prayer meeting of three with six arms in the air. Calling upon God because it's ugly out there. And our kids are at stake. And who knows what they're being taught in the schools. Should you be part of knowing what's going on and maybe become a school uh, representative or what do they call them? You know, school board? Yes, but even more, pray. Even more praying. I know there are a lot of groups praying for this. So I'm ex super excited about it. But there's a lot of other things. And we want them to come to the Lord too, not just get unwoke. We want them to come to the Lord. Do you know, a lot of that movement when Robert came in and all these people were getting saved, that was just the Lord. You know, and that church after a while, became hundreds of people and a couple thousand people at a certain point. And then we thought, you know what? We need to start planting churches. So we did. And now over 50 have been planted. And people go, oh, you know, God just, he just loves to bless you, Wayne. You really blah, blah, blah. I go, you don't know what you're talking about. I'm shocked. I'm stunned. People will look at my wife's postings on Facebook of all our 12 wonderful, amazing grandkids, the only perfect people on earth. <laughs> and they'll say, I had a, a friend, 
who's just starting to grow in the Lord and everything. He goes, you deserve it. You guys deserve it. You're like, and I go, you don't know what you're saying, man. I'm stunned. If there's anything, it's all his grace. It's all what he will do. The only good thing that may have contributed, but not that much, is I pray a lot. Those pastor's kids, they live up to that reputation sometimes, and they need just as much as anyone else. Lord, if you're willing, I love it. I am willing. He reached out against the law to touch a leper. Touched him, be cleansed. But he didn't break the law because he was immediately healed. Jesus destroyed the evidence. But see, he's desperate. You think, well, I don't need to be desperate in prayer. Yes, you do. Because he wants you also to be a spokesperson for him. And he wants to do stuff in and through and with you and your family. And I'm telling you, your grandkids' lives are at stake. Your children's lives. You think the devil loves them? He hates them. He hates everything that God loves. And so, Paul goes on in Ephesians 6 and he says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood but against the powers, the rulers, the world forces of darkness, the spiritual forces of wickedness. So take up the whole armor of God. Equip yourself. Take up the weapons of prayer. The last weapon that he, he gives to them is he says, get that prayer life going. Pray at all times, all kinds of prayer, with all perseverance for all the believers. Please, you guys, please do it. Take it seriously here. This place needs, not the church, I'm saying, but yes, the church too, and the conduit through which God is at work. Need it so bad. And the Lord wants to bless. He wants to answer. Paul calls Satan the prince of the power of the air in Ephesians chapter 2. There's battles being fought that we don't know about, but we're seeing the results. And it's sad. And if you believe that, you will pray. You will seek God. You know the beautiful thing about prayer? Is that you can pray, and it'll have an effect halfway across the world. See, when you pray, it's like being a drone fighter. You've got your own drone, and the Lord sends it and delivers the payload. Do you know that there's a lot of terrorists that are being killed by drones? Did you know that? UAVs, they're called. Let me see if I can get the exact. Okay. They're, um, they call them UAVs, but I'm trying to say what they are here what that stands for. 
Anyone know? There you go. Say that again really loud. Unmanned aerial vessel. Unmanned aerial vessel. It's, it's awesome. Some of the worst terrorists have been killed and gotten rid of that way. Now, you might not agree with me and think that that's okay, but I think it is okay when they're killing others. But I give it over the Lord. I'll never do it, but you know, Prayer is like that. We have no desire at all to kill people. I don't. I only want to bless them. I want to see the Holy Spirit reach them. That's my desire. That's my goal. But these are evil days. He said that you may stand in the evil day. And having done everything, you guys can stand. He came to destroy the works of the devil so that your family could prosper, so that your life could prosper, your kids could prosper, so that he could show himself to the neighbors, the world around you. It's exciting. That's what he's doing. What is the evil day? The evil day is that battle that we fight when we have to put up our shield of faith and fiery darts are coming in, but you've got the Holy Spirit quenching them. That's a powerful, powerful piece of armor. The word of God, the sword of the spirit, it pierces the heart. People are blind, they can't see, but when their heart is pierced, then all of a sudden, oh wow, they can see. And then these love and hope grenades that come down through prayer. It's awesome. You know, my children, years ago, they invited me to come and see a play that was put on by one of their uh, friends in high school. And it was called Annie. Have you ever seen that one? The, the play Annie? She's this poor, hurting, abused but always bright and optimistic. And she sang this song, the sun will come out tomorrow. Bet your bottom dollar that tomorrow it'll be sun. When I'm stuck with a day that's gray and lonely, I just stick out my chin and grin and say, oh, tomorrow, 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 I love you. You're always a day away. You know, today might be the evil day. We have to battle. There's certain days that are a turning point. Today might be one of them. One thing we can know for sure is tomorrow we're going to be with Jesus in paradise forever. It could be today. And we want to be reaching people. The Lord brought my son out of womanizing and has made him an amazing man of God. He brought my daughter out of lesbianism as an athlete, a professional basketball player. He brought her out of that and changed her life. Now she has the most wonderful husband and three incredible kids. And all of these kids, our direct kids, our four children, 
are all in full-time pastoral ministry. Now, there's something I'm shocked about. And people say, how did that happen? I don't know. All I know is we prayed a lot. Let's pray. Dear God, thank you so much. Thank you so much to these people. Thank you to their heart for your word and their heart for you, Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you don't have that kind of close-knit, continual praying relationship with God, but you realize you really want that. You want his best. You want to see your family, your neighbors, your friends really brought into the light and the reality of how good God is. And you really would love to pray for that, that God would put that urgency on your mind and on your heart. Or if you're here and you're just beginning to even learn about who God is, know this, he wants you to have that kind of relationship, that continual communion. If you'd like prayer for that, just stand, would you? If you'd like to see more of that, stand to your feet and say, I want this. I believe we need this. And I want more of Jesus. I want to be a man of prayer, a woman of prayer, a young person of prayer, a grandma. More people get saved through those grandmas, man. Now, grandpa, a papa, a dad, a friend. Let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, fill us with your spirit. You said pray at all times in the spirit. Please, God, put it on people's hearts. Fill them this morning, Lord. Put an urgency in our hearts that we could be those vessels carrying your water everywhere it needs to go. Lord Jesus, I pray that you'll do it for every single person who's standing and praying with us, and it'll spread. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.